Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Kyle Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. Welcome everyone today, man. So good to to be in God's house together. I feel like it's been a few weeks and uh, also want to take a moment to look into the camera and welcome all those joining us online along with all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry in over 400 prisons in our country, but also including the country of Belize in the Belize Central Prison. And we love you guys. We believe in you. We're praying for you. And we know God's got a plan for you because he's got a plan for us. And what he did for us, he can do for you. And so come on, Defiance. Help me welcome our church family today. So good. So good. Love being a part of something bigger than us. Amen. And uh, so today we are continuing on. We are in week number three of our series called Running with the Giants, where each week we are studying a different character from the Bible. And we're just seeing what can we learn from their story. And and over the past uh, few weeks, we've studied so far the life of Joseph, the life of David, and today we're going to dive into the life of Jacob. Now, just just so we're all on the same page, Jacob comes from a pretty dysfunctional family, which I don't know about you, kind of comforts me that, that God can still use people from a dysfunctional home. God can still bring purpose from those who make a lot of mistakes. God can still bring beauty out of the chaos of maybe our lives. And, and so his family is a little dysfunctional. Maybe on the outside, they seem like they got it all together, but behind closed doors, there's some issues. How many know we all got issues, right? We all got stuff. And, and Isaac, Jacob's father, is, uh, is somewhat passive when the family needed him to kind of rise up and lead the way. Instead of rising up, he kind of shrunk back and was very passive. Uh, his, his mother, Rebecca, was very manipulative and controlling. His brother Esau was kind of always doing his own thing and marching to his own beads. And then Jacob made a, a ton of mistakes and did a lot of things that he wasn't proud of in his life. And he, he was constantly finding himself in difficult and even uncomfortable situations. And uh, I just let, let me just give us uh, the title of the message today, because I think Jacob would have said this a few times throughout the course of his life, and it's in question form, and, and that is this, why is this happening? Or another way we could put it, why is this happening to me? Has life ever caused you to maybe ask that question, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through what I'm going through. The, the other day, I was watching a clip on social media uh, of this guy who was about to win this race. He was a cyclist, and uh, he was about to win this huge race. I don't know if it was the Tour de France or, or what it was, but as he's coming to the finish line, all of a sudden, this woman who's not paying attention crosses right over in front of the finish line. 
She's on her cell phone and the two of them collide. Like it was a hard collision right at the finish line. And actually it was so severe that both of them had to be rushed to the hospital. And I thought, man, here's this guy who's about to win this race he's been training for for months, maybe even years, wakes up in the hospital thinking, why is this happening to me? Why am I having to go through what I'm going through? But then even the woman who, who just went to, to be a spectator at this, this race, all of a sudden is waking up in the hospital going, man, what just happened? Why am I going through what I'm going through? And it also made me think of how a few years ago, we sent some staff members down to Alabama to, to attend a, a training conference just to get better at what God has called us to do. And as our team uh, drove into Birmingham, they decided to uh, stop at Chick-fil-A, Jesus Chicken. I mean, that's just what you do uh, when you're on a kind of a ministry conference trip, right? And as our team gets out of the, the vehicles and they're just, they're just walking up to Chick-fil-A. They're not even like sprint. There's not, they're just walking up to Chick-fil-A as, as one of our staff members just takes a step, their entire ankle leg breaks like it, like it was kind of like this hill and like twisted and she fell down this hill and broke her leg like in four different places and had to have rehab it, have surgery. She had one of those scooters, you know, where you put your foot up there for like 16 months, like you're just around and I'm sure she thought many times throughout the course of that process what is going on why is this happening to me why am I going through what I'm going through and I just was thinking about this and even in my own life how many of us know we can kind of ask this question from a few different places like we can ask this question out of frustration why is this happening to me, God? What is going on? Why is this happening? Or, or maybe, maybe you've asked this question from a place that I have uh, over time where I've, I've kind of asked this question as a way to protest and express my disagreement with God for why he's letting me go through what I'm going through. Like, like why, why is this happening? God? Where are you at? What are you doing? Why am I going through what I'm going through. But, but how many of us know when we ask this question from those two places, it doesn't really get us too far in life, does it? But when we can ask this question from a place of humility with a desire to learn, man, we can gain some wisdom and some understanding and we can make it through whatever it is that we're going through to where we come out on the other side of it better than we were before. And as we study the, the life of, of Jacob, we're gonna see him keep finding himself in situations that, that aren't going the way he thought they were going to go or even wanted them to go. And, and Jacob's story begins in Genesis chapter 25. And so let's start off in reading verse 21 through 26. It says this, verse 21 says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. She wasn't able to have children and the Lord answered his prayer. How many of us know there's power in prayer? How many of there's power when we pray for our spouse? Fellas, how many of us know there's power when we lay hands on our wives and we pray a blessing over them? There's power when we lay hands on our kids and we pray a prayer over them. There's power in 
prayer. And his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. And the babies jostled each other within her. And so what happens is Rebecca goes to the ultrasound and she finds out that she's not just pregnant, she's pregnant with twins and that the two boys are already going at it in her womb. And the doctor looks at her and says, girl, you are in for it. And so we see Jacob here wrestling in his mother's womb, but it it wouldn't be the, the last time that he would find himself in a wrestling match. And Rebecca said what every woman maybe has said sometime during their pregnancy and even motherhood, our title for the message, why is this happening to me? Rebecca goes from, God, give me a baby to why is this happening to me, right? And the Lord, and so, so she does something remarkable. So she went to inquire of the Lord. I mean, that's a great example. That, that difficulty and even desperation aren't necessarily bad things if we'll let them create in us a greater dependency on God. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, Rebecca. In other words, what's in you is bigger than you even think. And two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red and his entire body was like a hairy garment. I'm sorry, son, we're gonna have to start shaving your back from day one. And so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. And so he was named Jacob. And so right out of the gate, the first time we even see Jacob come onto the scene as he's birthed into this world, he's grasping at his brother Esau's heel. And one of the meanings for the name Jacob literally is heel grabber, which would be a way to describe some of the way that Jacob lived his life because he was always trying to to get ahead in life. He was always trying to, to gain the advantage and he was always trying to be in control. Anybody else struggle with wanting to be in control? Now, now, what's interesting is that being the firstborn uh, was a big deal, especially back in biblical times and especially in this family. The firstborn would get two things. They would get the birthright and they would get the blessing. Everybody say birthright. Everybody say blessing. The firstborn would get both of those things. Now, now, the birthright was like the headship of the family meaning that when the father would die, the firstborn who had the birthright now became responsible and in charge for the rest of the family. And they would get a double inheritance uh, from from their father. So they would get twice the amount of any other sibling. One reason was because they were now in charge and responsible for the entire family. But the other reason was there was just a blessing on being the firstborn. And so that's one thing that they would get. But the second thing they would get, and even more special, especially in this family, was they would get the father's blessing. Well, well, God had made this covenant promise 
with Jacob's grandpa, grandfather, Abraham, and basically established that you're gonna be the father of many nations. And from your bloodline, from your heritage, from your family line, I'm going to establish and bring my son. His name will be Emmanuel, God with us, also known as Jesus, and he will be the savior of the world. And so, in fact, if you've read the Old Testament, you, you've discovered that a lot of times the God of Israel is described as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and East Jacob, right? Jake, so it's a big deal being firstborn in this family. No pressure whatsoever. And what we're gonna see though is, is Jacob for, for the most part of his life, man, he's just trying to do things his own way. He's, re he's relying upon his own strength. But, but remember the promise that God gave to his mother, Rebecca, before he was even born, before he even came into this world, God had already promised that the older would serve the younger. He already promised that he would get the birthright. He already promised that he would get the blessing. And yet he kept taking matters into his own hands because he struggled with wanting to be in control. And I thought, you know what? It's hard to see what God wants to give us when we're busy looking at what everybody else has. And so Jay, as Jacob's story goes on, which by the way, another meaning, another part to the meaning of Jacob's name is deceiver. This would be another great way to describe Jacob and his character and the way he lived his life because not only was he scheming and wanting to be in control and trying to get ahead, but, the, but then he would manipulate and deceive others in order to get it. And the Bible tells us as the two brothers grow up and become men as they get older. The Bible tells us that Esau, the, the hairy, red-headed Chewbacca-like figure, that he was, he was a man's man. I mean, he was an outdoorsman. I mean, he could hunt without a gun. He could catch a fish without a fishing pole. He could make a fire by just rubbing two sticks together. I mean, he would put bear grills to shame. Come on, somebody. I mean, he was a man's man. But then Jacob, on the other hand, he was the complete opposite. He, he was a homebody. He liked to stay at home. Uh, he was a mama's boy. When Christmas time would come around, no one would even have to talk him into watching Hallmark movies. It would have been his his idea, right? And so Esau can hunt and, and Jacob can, can cook. And the Bible tells us that, that one day Esau is out like doing some man work. He's out, but he's working on an empty stomach and he's doing hard labor. And Jacob's in the kitchen doing some cooking. And at the end of the day, Esau comes home and he is starving to death. I mean, he is, he's more than hangry. Like he is, you ever, you ever been so hungry, you're like shaking, you have no energy left. I, I just picture Esau coming back and he walks in and Jacob is, man, he's got his chef hat on. He has been in the kitchen all day. It smells good. You ever get home and mom, grandma's been cooking. You're like, what's going on in here? And then you find out it's just a Cincy they put in. Like, <laughs> like, like Cinro Cincy or cookie chocolate chip cookie Cincy, like there's no food. Anyways, that's not how it went down here. <laughs> Jacob's been in the kitchen all day. It's, man, it smells good. And Esau says, man, Jacob, give me something to eat. I'm starving. I'm so, I'm, I'm dying. Give me something to eat. And Jacob sees an opportunity 
to take something that wasn't his instead of, instead of letting God give it to him. Man, it was already promised to him, but because he always was scheming, always trying to get ahead, always wanting to be in control, he now sees an opportunity to take something instead of let God give it to him. And so he tells Esau, well, if you'll give me your birthright, if you'll give me the headship of the family, that when, when our father Isaac dies, I'll be in charge and I'll get a double inheritance. If you give that to me, I'll give you a bowl of soup. I'll give you something to eat. And because Esau didn't value what he had, he traded his birthright for a bowl of beans. Now, don't be too hard on Esau because the reality is all of us have the potential to give up what we want most for what we want now. I want this. I want to have a great marriage. I want, I want to be successful. I want, but I'm not willing to wait for it. I want what I want and I want it now. And so I give up what I want most for what I want now. And this is what Esau did and gives up his birthright. And then the Bible says that many years later, uh, Jacob already had the, the birthright and we see him come up with another plan to once again take something instead of allowing God to give it to him in his proper time the right way. And it's the father's blessing. And the Bible tells us that Isaac, their father, has, has become old in age. He's lost his eyesight and he's coming to the end of his life. And it's, it's time for him to, to, to give the, the father's blessing, the covenant blessing from Abraham. that's passed down to him, Isaac, and now pass it down to Esau. And so he calls Esau into the room and says, hey, it's time for me to bless you. Go out hunting. Don't even take a knife. You don't need it, son. Just use your hands and go out hunting and, and kill some of that big game. Then come back and cook it up for me. You know how I like it. And then we'll have a meal together. And then after I eat, I'll give you the father's blessing. And so Esau goes out hunting. Well, the mother, Rebecca, overhears what's going on. And the Bible tells us that she loved Jacob more. I don't know if it was the Hallmark movies they, they watched together, the bond that they had formed, but Rebecca loved Jacob more. And so she devises a plan to I'll make, I'll make his favorite food and we'll put some, some of Esau's clothes on you, Jacob. And I'll even go get some goat skin and put it on your, your arms and your neck. And, and we can fool your dad into thinking that you're Esau and he'll give you the blessing. Now, I used to kind of feel sorry for, for Jacob a little bit. Like, man, look, his mom just wants to manipulate and she's, the, so she's really leading the cause. But, but if you do the math, you discover that Jacob would have been 77 years old when he stole the blessing from Esau. And you know, at some point, you just have to take responsibility for yourself, right? <laughs> I mean, you might still be living in your mother's basement, but if you're 77 years old, it's not her fault, it's yours, right? Like, you gotta... Got to deal with that. So let's read what happens in Genesis chapter 27, starting in verse 15. It says, Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son. She's still, he's 77 years old, and she's still dressing them. Anyways, she also covered his hands and smoothed part of his neck with goat skin. This was a premeditated crime, just so you know. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread that she had made. And he went into his father and said, my father. 
Yes, my son, Isaac answered, who is it? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? Jacob replied, the Lord, your God gave me success. Here Jacob gives God the credit for his lie. How many know just because it sounds spiritual doesn't mean that it is? And then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. Poor guy. Can't tell if it's goat skin or Esau. I don't know. And so Isaac proceeded to, to bless him. Can you picture Esau? Esau like have some, he's probably shaving it early on. and like, forget it. Let's just, just let the thing grow out. But he, he proceeded to, to bless Jacob. And so Jacob gets the, the covenant blessing. This is a big deal, right? Because now for, for out time now, the God of Israel will be known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's hand of blessing, God's covenant line, the savior of the world would come through this. It's a big deal of what Jacob just did. And so he gets the blessing, but I'm not sure that he thought about what would happen when Esau got home because Esau is not a happy camper. And how many of us know in hand-to-hand combat, Chewbacca beats Hallmark movies every single time, right? And so Esau gets home and he's like, I'm going to kill Jacob for what he has done. And so Jacob, he's got the blessing, but now he's running for his life. And the Bible says he would take off running and he would be on the run for the next 21 years. 21 years, he would leave everything that he would ever have known. And I... How many of us know that it's possible to get what we want, but not want what we have if we get it the wrong way? How many of us know that God can't bless who we pretend to be? God couldn't bless Jacob pretending to be Esau. You see, Jacob, you, you, can, you might be able to fool your father, Isaac, who's lost his sight and has grown uh, old in age, but you're not able to fool God and you certainly can't fool yourself. Jacob is looking at his life more than likely saying, man, I didn't think, this isn't how I thought things were gonna go. This is not how I saw it in my head. I never thought I would be here. Why is this happening to me? Now, obviously all of us would probably say, well, the reason why it's happened to you, bro, is because you deceived, you stole, you, you took. But, can we just be honest? Have we ever found ourselves in a situation where we knew maybe we didn't make the best choices, but we still ask the question, why is this happening to me? I mean, I can remember, you know, as know my story, I can remember being in a jail cell asking this question and you go, well, you broke the law, you idiot. Yeah, I know that. It's not the point. <laughs> right? I'm dead serious. I can remember it like it was yesterday, me pacing. I can see the room. I'm pacing in this jail. So I'm, it's more like this. You see, I don't give you a lot of room, right? You're just pacing. But I remember thinking to myself, man, I'm, I was just doing the same thing all my friends 
were doing. And, and I'm in here and they're out there still doing it. Like, why is this happening to me? And it wasn't in that moment, but some time later that I discovered that it was actually God's grace in my life that I was in there instead of out, out there. Because how many of us know if I wouldn't have been in there, I would just kept on doing what I was doing. But yet God's grace interrupted my life that was going down the wrong path, going the wrong way. And I'm so grateful that he interrupted my chaos, put me in a place to get my attention so that I could turn my life around. And maybe some of us are in a place today where we're asking the question, why is this happening to me? And I'm not saying God is, God is doing it to you, but he might be allowing you to go through some things to help stop you from continuing to go down the wrong road because he's got something better for you. And so Jacob is, is running for his life and he, 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 he ends up in a, in a place called Haran where he sees this girl named Rachel tending to some sheep. And Jacob says, dude, I've never seen someone look that good tending to some sheep. Girl, let me help you tend those sheep. And so he goes to Rachel's father, whose name was Laban. And he says, Laban, what do I need to do in order to marry your daughter, Rachel. And Laban says, well, you must work for me for seven years. Brilliant, I'm stealing this from Laban. Anybody that wants to marry my daughter, you gotta work for me for seven years. And if you make it through seven years of pure hell, <laughs> maybe, just maybe, you can marry my daughter. It's brilliant, right? So he works for seven years. And, and what's interesting is that, that Rachel actually has an, an older sister named uh, Leah. And, and the Bible says that, that, that Rachel was lovely in form and figure, which in Hebrew, that means she was smoking hot. <laughs> but then the Bible tells us that, that Leah, the older sister, had weak eyes which in Hebrew means she had a good personality, right? <laughs> so Jacob says, I wanna marry Rachel, right? The one with the lovely form and features. So, so Laban says, work for me for seven years. Jacob says, done, agreed, works for Laban for seven years. And at the end of seven years, it's time to marry Rachel. And Laban pulls the old okey-doke, the old switcheroo. And he says, no, you get to marry Leah. He's like, this isn't fair. This is not what we agreed to. And Laban says, well, in our culture, in our custom, it's, it's custom to, to marry, the, the older one marries before the younger one. And so Jacob goes, well, what do I gotta do to, to get Rachel, what do I gotta do to marry her? And he says, well, work for me for another seven years and you can marry her too, which is a whole nother sermon series that we'll <laughs> do at another time. And so he works for Laban another seven years, 14 years in total. And now he finally gets the girl of his dreams. He gets Leah and he gets Rachel. Then he ends up working for Laban for another seven years, 
21 years in total. And as it comes to the end of these 21 years, he, he goes to Laban and he says, you know what, when I first started working for you almost 21 years ago, you didn't have near the resources that you have today. I mean, God has blessed you tremendously because God's hand of blessing is upon my life. And so here he, he gives God the credit, but he's not yet willing to give God control. He gives God the credit for the blessing of his resources, but he's not yet willing to give God control of those resources. And he tells Laban, since God has blessed us, why don't you give me all the spotted, speckled, and dark lamb or sheep or goats from your, for your livestock, and that will be the wages for, my, for all the work that I've done for you the past 21 years. Give me all the defected kind of sheep and, and, and goats. And Laban agrees. So he's got a, you know, a little time left that he's still working the, the cattle and all that. And so what Jacob does is he goes and he grabs some branches from three trees. He grabs some branches from a poplar tree, almond tree, and a plane, P-L-A-N-E tree. He takes these branches, he peels the bark off of them, and then, uh, so he exposes the wood. And then when the strong animals come to drink from the, the watering troughs, he places the, the branches in the watering troughs. And then when they leave, and then when the weaker animals would come to drink from the watering troughs, he would remove the branches. And his thought was, if I put these branches in the water and they drink it, it's gonna cause them to, to, to give speckled and spotted and defective babies and offspring. Well, that's exactly what happens. And so all of a sudden the strong animals are spotted and speckled and defective and all the weaker animals uh, are blemish free. And so, but it, what's interesting, and I did the research for you. I read several commenta commentaries on this. What's interesting is that all the commentators agree that the branches would ab absolutely have nothing to do with whether or not the, the cattle had spots or speckles or de were defective in any way, that it was God continuing to bless Jacob and what he put his hand to. How many of us know that we're not in control as, in as much as we think we are? I actually don't have as much control as maybe I think I do. And when we overestimate our ability to control, we underestimate the power of God in our lives. Wait a minute, what credit am I giving to myself thinking that I made this happen when the reality is God's the one that made it happen. I'm putting branches in the water and I'm peeling this and I'm taking them out and I'm over here and God's going, I was gonna bless you no matter what. It has nothing to do with what you're doing. It has everything to do with my hand upon your life. We're not in control like we maybe think that we are. And so Jacob, uh, once again, cheated someone out of some inheritance, if you will. And think, in his mind, he's thinking that, right? And so his flock grows much stronger and Laban's grows weaker. Well, Laban and all of his sons start to take notice, like, whoa, 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 what's happening here? 
and they're not happy about it. And Jacob realizes they are mad. They see what's happening. And so once again, he packs up his resources. He packs up all his belongings. He gets his family ready. And once again, he goes on the run. But the only place he knows is back where he's already been. And last time he checked 21 years ago, Esau, the Chewbacca, was there waiting for him. Why is this happening to me? I'm in the same place that I, I've been before. I wonder if anybody can relate to Jacob today in the sense that we feel like we're going around the same mountain, facing the same problems, struggling with the same things, asking the question, man, how in the world did I get here? Why is this happening to me? You see, Jacob's problem was that he wanted to be in control of his life, but he would eventually learn, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down, he would eventually learn the fact that you don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. You don't always have the power to control, and I would actually make the argument that we have less control in our lives than we truly think, but we always have the power to surrender. Jacob finally found himself in a situation where he couldn't control it, he couldn't manipulate it, he couldn't talk his way out of it. And it was in that place of wondering, why is this happening to me, that he discovered it was because he was doing things his way instead of God's way. And you can give God the credit for the blessings and you can, you can pray and you can ask, but if you're still in control, how many of us know eventually it'll catch up to you? And when it does, it's actually not a bad thing. It's God's grace in our lives, helping us realize, man, this is not gonna go the way we hope that it goes. What, what areas of our, our lives are we in control instead of God? Because how many of us know as followers of Jesus, there's, there's no such thing as, as what I call partial surrender. Like, like there's no such thing as I'm 87.5% surrendered to God. It's not how it works, right? I'm not 67% surrendered to God, right? No, how I many know I, I can't trust God to save my soul, but then still do relationships the way I want to do them. I, I can't, I can't trust God to to make my past kind of go away and forgive all those things that I've done and take away the sin and the transgressions and forgive me from from all the guilt and the shame and the sin of my past, but but then not trust him with my resources. I, I, can't, I can't trust God for peace when I'm hurting, but then not trust him with my future, not trust him with my family, not trust him with my kids. I, I, I can't pick and choose what I wanna surrender to God. How do you know, I surrender all. Remember the hymn, I surrender all. All to you, Jesus, I surrender. Surrender. It's a beautiful hymn. Why? Because it's biblical. It's spiritual. It's the very heart of it. I surrender all to you, God. And when I do, man, I experience a life that, man, I never thought possible. And so Jacob finally finds himself in this place where he's, he's sick and tired of knowing where he wanted to be in life, but never being able to get there. And he comes to the conclusion that the wrong person has been calling the shots in his life that in order for him to get where he wanted to be, he would have to let God have control. And so Jacob decides to stop running and 
faced who he was so that he could be who God destined him to be. From before he was even born, God had called him. And so he decides to go back home, hoping to make things right with, with Esau, hoping that Esau, after all these years, would forgive him as he repents before him. And so he makes preparations to go back home. And as he's on the journey, he, he, he recognizes that Esau and all of his all of his people are off in the distance and, and he sends some people to kind of greet Esau and let him know that he's coming, kind of like soften the blow. like, I don't know if he's still angry or not. And Esau responds actually out of grace, but Jacob doesn't know that. In fact, to Jacob, it appears that Esau is still upset, that Esau is still wanting to fight him. Esau has been waiting for this moment to get back at his brother Jacob. And so Jacob, once again, takes matters into his own hands, comes up with his own plan, doesn't consult God, doesn't pray, doesn't ask for God to guide him, doesn't do any of those things. He comes up with a plan to divide his, his two wives and all of his resources and all of his belongings. And he sends them across the river and he's coming up with this plan. He's by himself at this point. And we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. And it says, so Jacob was left alone. Oftentimes, it's when we're alone when God can do some of his best work in our lives. When we're not preoccupied with all the distractions of life and God can finally get our attention. It says, when Jacob was left alone, a man. Notice the, the word man is capitalized because this wasn't any ordinary man. This was God himself. In fact, many scholars believe that this would have been the son of God, Jesus himself here. And he came and wrestled with him till daybreak. And so as we take a look at this wrestling match, this WWF wrestling match that's about to go down, let me just give us three things real quickly that happened during this match and I think that are the same things that can happen for us as we make the decision to give God control of our lives in every area. If you're taking notes, the first thing that will happen when we give God control is number one, we'll get a new strength. Some of us are exhausted and we're tired and we're worn out. And the reason is because we've been swimming against the current for far too long. We've been trying to do things our own way uh, and our own perspective. And when we simply let God be in control and say, I'm just gonna trust you. I'm gonna do things your way, God. How I many will get a new strength? Genesis chapter 32, verses 25 and 26 says this, says, says when the man saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob, he touched his hip joint and Jacob's hip was dislocated as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you declare a blessing on me. Isn't this interesting? He asked for a blessing, but he's already been blessed by God. He's already, already Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's already in, he's already been blessed by God. And I just think, man, this is such an interesting situation because I don't know about you, for the longest time, I just pictured Jacob being like in his 20s and 30s, like in college wrestling, you know, shape. But we already talked about when he stole the blessing, he was 77 years old. And now this is 21 years later. He would have been 98 years old when this WWE wrestling match was going down. No wonder his hip went out of place, right? 
But what's interesting is that all Jacob's life, he's been trying to grab onto something else and do things his own way, but now something is grabbing a hold of him. And that's what happens when the grace of God comes into our lives. We can't stop it. We can't deflect it. No, God says, no, I'm, I'm, I love you too much to keep letting you go down that road you're going. I got too much for you. And the grace of God comes into our lives and he changes us from the inside out. And how many of us know, man, you start to find out who you really are and who God really is when you hold on to God, even when it would be easier to let go. I start to discover who I really am. I start to realize who God really is when I just hold on to him, even when it would be easier to let go. No, I'm not going anywhere. I don't understand your plan. I'm going through struggles and I'm going through trials and it hurts right now, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm not letting go until you bless me, God. And as we hold on to God, even when it would be easier to let go, we discover who we are because we discover who he is. And it's Jacob's whole life, man, he's been holding on to other stuff. But now he says, I'm holding on to you, God. I'm letting go of all this other stuff that didn't ever do anything for me because I did it the wrong way. It wasn't, it wasn't that they weren't good things. It was he didn't wait for God to give them to him in the right time, in the right way. He took them when he wanted them. And as Jacob wrestles with God, he asked God to bless him. God allowed Jacob to prevail, but he dislocated his hip, reminding Jacob to no longer walk in his own strength, but to walk in complete dependence upon God. That's why he touched his hip. To remind, you've been walking in your own strength, in your own power, doing things your own way. Let me remind you that you, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so for the rest of his life, he would walk with a limp. And what others would say, oh, I feel bad for you, you have a limp. He would go, no, I'm reminded with every step. This time when God reminded me how much I need him. And yet I walk with a limp, but I have a strength you know nothing about. I'm actually stronger than I've ever been. I'm stronger than ever before. You see, when God's in control, we'll get a new strength. The second thing that will happen when God is in control is number two, we'll get a new identity. Come on, this is good. Hey, if anybody's got a pass, come on, you get a new identity. And this, this isn't just, I'm gonna seal your records from what you, you've done so that nobody else can find out about it. Come on, I'm talking to the real people in the room. I'm talking to real people in jail. I'm not gonna seal your records. No, I'm gonna wipe all those things away. That's not even who you are anymore. You're a new creation. You're a new person. The old is gone. A new life has begun. You don't gotta keep trying to prove to yourself or anybody else that you're not that person anymore. I've already done the work for you. I wanna give you a new identity. Just let me be in control of your life and do things my way. Genesis chapter 32, verse 27 and 28 the man asked him, what is your name? Does, does, this, does this question seem odd to anyone else besides me? We've been wrestling all night long. And now all of a sudden out of the blue, you wanna know my name? But if you remember, this isn't the first time Jacob has been asked what his name was. You see, 21 years earlier, he walked into a room and his father asked him who he was and he lied and he said, I'm, I'm Esau. And so he got blessed as Esau, but now it's time for Jacob to get a blessing the right way. 
He didn't answer Esau this time. He answered Jacob. I'm the deceiver, I'm the backstabber, I'm the heel grabber, I'm Jacob. That's who I am. And how many of us know once we admit who we are, God can transform us into who we're supposed to be? I'm Jacob, and I've, I've been in control of my own life, and I, things haven't gone the way I'd, I'd hoped, and I'm ready for a fresh start, a new beginning. Then the, the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled. You have struggled. How many know it's not in our success, but it's in our surrender that God will show us who we really are, because you have struggled with God and with men, and you have overcome. You know, the name Jacob literally means and represents a self-reliance, but the name Israel represented a God dependence. You see, when God is in control, we get a new identity. I know who I used to be, but this is who I really am. Can I just speak this over us today? You're not who others might say that you are. You're not even who you might think that you are. You're not even what you may have, have been at one point in time in your life, you are who God says that you are. How, how many of us know that what's true about us today doesn't have to be true about us tomorrow? God's power is bigger than our past. And if anyone is in Christ, man, they're a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And finally today, when God is in control, we'll get a new strength. We'll get a new identity. And finally, when God is in control, number three, we'll get a new purpose. Genesis chapter 32, verse 29, as the wrestling match comes to a close, Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. Notice that, that God answered Jacob's question with a question, and then he blessed him. The reason was because God wasn't there to show Jacob who he was. He was there to show Jacob who Jacob was. Jacob had already met God earlier in his life, but he hadn't met yet, or he hadn't yet met himself. Didn't know who he was. 97 years old and never met himself. 97 years old, right? 98. Didn't know who he was. You know, Mark Twain said that the two greatest days in our lives is the day that we were born and the day we discover why. Why were we born? Because when we know who we are, we'll know what to do. I know I'm way over time today, but can I share one more thing with you? You could go read this later, but this is so powerful because when Jacob discovered who he was, then he could help others discover who they were. And, and if you read the account, if you go to Genesis chapter 35, it's kind of a sad part of the story it's when Rachel actually gives birth to another son. And as she's giving birth, she actually dies in childbirth. It's in Genesis chapter 35, verse 18. It's not in your notes. I added it about a minute before service. But as she's giving birth, as she's breathing her last breath, the Bible says, she named her son Ben-Onai, which means son of sorrow, son of trouble, which to her, as she's, as she's dying, she's breathing her last breath. She, she's never gonna get to see this son grow up. She's never gonna 
be able to, to raise him. She's not gonna be able to hold him. She's not gonna to enjoy anything. She's, she's gonna miss out on all that. She's breathing her last breath. And so she names him son of trouble, son of my sorrow. But if you read verse 18, there's a colon or a comma. And then the, the Bible says, but his father, Jacob, immediately named him Benjamin. And the name Benjamin means son of my right hand, son of my strength, son of blessing. And you just think about the, the magnitude of that. Wait a minute. How, how many of Jacob knew a thing or two about having his name changed? Jacob knew a thing or two that what was true today didn't have to be true about him tomorrow. And even though in the moment it was sorrowful, even in the moment, yes, it was sad. Rachel's breathing her last breath. She's dying during childbirth. This is, this is supposed to be a happy moment, but it's, it's not because she's no longer with us. And yes, at this time, he seems like son of trouble, son of sorrow, but how many of us know he's not gonna grow up with that label the rest of his life? And what's true about today doesn't have to be true about him tomorrow. And Jacob realizes this because he's given God control of his life and he's got a new new strength. He's got a new identity. He's got a new purpose to help his son realize, no, no, you're not son of trouble, son of sorrow. You're son of my right hand, right? You're son, you're son of promise and favor and blessing and strength. That is who you are. I just think, man, as, as God does that in us, we can help for God to do that in others. God's given me a new purpose, a new identity, a new strength. And he's also, the purpose is help others encounter who he really is. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you in this place. God, we thank you for the truth and the richness of your word. So rich, God. So many lessons, so many ways you speak. As we're praying together with every head bowed and every eye closed today, can we just pray this, this prayer right where you're at? Say, Holy Spirit, on this Pentecost Sunday, how do you want me to respond to the message? What's my next step? What are you, what are you calling me to, to do? We don't want to just be a hearer of your word, God. We want to be a doer of your word. As we're praying together, maybe, maybe you're here and you've never surrendered control to God of your life. You might believe in God. You know he's real. Maybe you've even given him the credit for some different things in your life, but you've never given him control of your life. Wherever you're at, maybe you're watching online right now and God is saying, come on. My plan, my plan is better. Maybe what you're going through today, maybe the situation you find yourself in is, is God's grace in your life to help keep you from continuing to go down the wrong path and for you to experience the life that only God can give to you. If you need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your heart, or maybe you walked with God at one point in time, but you've, you've drifted from him and it's time to say, here's my heart, your first God, I surrender all. I surrender all, not just parts, I surrender all. Here's my heart, which you've always wanted. If that's you, would you lift your hand to heaven and say, here I am. Here's my life, God. All to you, I surrender right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for loving me the way that you do. Thank you for your grace, God. Your mercy that's new every morning. Thank you that you just, you stand beside me when I get it right and you stand beside me when I get it wrong. 
thank you for sending your son Jesus to pay the price for my sin on the cross. And today, in this moment, here's my heart. God, forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. As we continue praying together today, I just felt really strongly in my heart that maybe you're like me and God has control of some areas, but maybe, maybe some, there are some other areas where we've given God credit for, but we've not given him control. Maybe it's our resources, maybe it's our futures, maybe it's our careers, maybe it's our families, whatever it is. But God's saying, it's better in my hands than it is in your hands. It's time for you to stop relying upon yourself and give me control of it, whatever it is. Would you just lift your hand to heaven and say, I got something I need to give to God today. I need to give him control of this. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your future. Maybe it's your fine, whatever it is. Here it is. I give it to you, God. Father, you know what's going on in our hearts. You know the struggle that we can have of wanting to control it, just like Jacob wanting to call the shots. But God, I pray you give us the courage and the boldness to say, here it is, God. It's better in your hands than it is in mine. I lay it at your feet. I, I trust you, God. We're gonna lean upon my own understanding, but in all our ways, we're gonna trust heaven and trust you, God. We surrender all. All to Jesus, we surrender. We love you, God. We trust you. We honor you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Come on, let's give God some praise for all he did today. So good. Shall renew their strength they shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar they shall walk and not get weary they shall run and not faint that's what happens when you wait that's what happens when you wait oh they that wait they that wait on the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar they shall walk and not get weary they shall run and not faint that's what happens when you wait that's what happens when you wait oh they that wait they that wait on the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount
joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.